Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Kilowatt. My name is Bodhi, and I am your host. All right, let's get right into the show, because this is longer than I wanted it to be, but I think we have some good information. First thing, thing that I like, uh, we still have the contest, but I'm waiting to hear back, because I just emailed him today. I'm waiting to hear back from Chris to see what he would like, whether it's the bumper sticker or the t-shirt, and then we'll probably do the drawing next week, because I was a little late on emailing him, so that's my bad. The thing that I like this week is what we do in the shadows. I've talked about this before. It's an AMC show. It's amazing. I just watched the last episode of the season and I was entertained throughout the whole show. It's not for everybody, but I really liked it and it was really, really good. Because this is going to be a longer episode, I'll just briefly say if you want to support the show, go to supportkilowatt.com and that will take you to the Patreon page or you can go to patreon.com forward slash kilowatt or search kilowatt on Patreon and you can support the show. All the money goes back into the show. None of the money goes into my pocket. Under the video section, we have two videos. The first is Matei Rymac walks us through the Rymac factory and gives us a glimpse inside of what it's like to, A, work at Rymac, but two, how they build their cars. And most of the parts that they show us are the Concept 2 car that they're currently building. They do show some Concept 1 parts. It's pretty cool, especially if you have interest in how these things are built. Rymac will be moving to a bigger facility soon, so they're doing, I believe, four of these videos all together. They also mentioned that they're building cars for other manufacturers, and I'm sure that's, you know, Hyundai and Kia. And that investment that Hyundai and Kia put into Rimac, I'm sure that's what's pushing this forward for Rimac to be able to move into their new facility, or at least helping in some way. The second video that we have is a great walkthrough of Tesla's new adaptive suspension system. The video is about eight minutes long. And it was really informational. So if you're interested in that kind of thing, check that out as well. In our updates section of the show, last week we talked about Tesla employees bringing their own toilet paper to work in an effort to keep costs low for the company. Elon took to Twitter and said this is nonsense. So I'm glad to hear that. I know a lot of people who bring their own toilet paper to work just as a matter of preference and 
maybe that's what this was, or maybe it was just nonsense altogether. Another story that we talked about was Chevron was installing EV charging stations at their gas stations. Well, an Arizona Republic story reported that Chevron is trying to block a proposed rule that would require public utilities to build public charging stations. Chevron tapped their Arizona retirees to write into the Arizona Corporate Commission and oppose the rule. The scripts provided by Chevron to its employees highlighted that EVs are not an effective way to reduce pollution. Here's an excerpt of the letter written from the Chevron Retirees Association president. We need your help. Let the electric vehicle industry finance the construction of the infrastructure from which it will benefit, rather than burdening most Arizona ratepayers with the cost of supporting the electric vehicle market. Now, this doesn't make any sense. The utility company that's actually going to be building this EV charging network will actually be able to charge the customer money to use it. So it actually works out as a revenue source for the electric company. You might ask yourself, and this would be a good question, why are they doing this? Well, bottom line, Chevron is an oil and gas company, and they will be an oil and gas company for a very long time. So they have no interest in actually building out an EV charging network unless it's their EV charging network and they can collect the money from it. This is basically competition. Chevron says that it supports all forms of energy. Hmm. Originally, I had a snarky comment written down here, but I'm going to choose the high road. Yay, me. And not say it. Bottom line here is keep your eyes open. Chevron and other oil slash gas companies are likely running this campaign in other states. So like we talked about last week, be vigilant, stay vigilant. This next update isn't really an update. It's more of a gee whiz. So I'm going to put it in this section. There was a report out this week that said Elon was the highest paid CEO or second highest paid CEO. I can't remember. In the U.S. with a 23 Three billion dollar compensation in 2018. That's more than 65 of the next highest paid CEOs compensation combined. When I first read this, I was like, that's utter nonsense because Elon, we talked about this, I don't know, year, maybe a year and a half ago on the show. Elon's compensation is based on a predetermined set of benchmarks. So he doesn't get anything unless he hits these benchmarks. I don't know if there's a time frame attached to that, but if he doesn't hit the benchmark, he doesn't get the, the stock options. He doesn't even get money. He gets stock options. Now, there's a whole lot that goes into that that I don't completely understand. But when I read the story, it did not sound right to me just doing the show for the last two and a half years. Elon does get a salary. It's very small. I don't know how much it is, but it's not very much at all. He is being compensated on some level. However, Elon said on Twitter that it actually cost him money to be CEO of Tesla in 2018. Elon did not seek reimbursement for many of his Tesla-related expenses. Now, last week I said if you know Elon really wants to save money, let's start at the top. And it sounds like he's been doing that. So good job, Elon. Our first story comes from Inside EV's Mark Kane. We've talked about this in the past, but Cheng Feng Motor Company, GAC, and NEO have partnered in another EV startup. I don't know exactly how this whole thing ends up working out. But anyway, the new company name is Hican. Now, GAC, which was originally spun out of the People's Liberation Army, 
and Neo, they're working together. They're going to stay independent companies, but then they have this third company. It, it seems very strange, but I'm sure there's a strategic reason for doing this. They showed off their concept EV that will have a 600 kilometer range or 373 mile range. Sounds like the two companies will start on production of the vehicle in early 2020. I highly doubt this is coming to the U.S. just based on where we are politically with China. Deshaw J. Ferris has our next story from Tesla Will the Rivian R1T work as a fleet vehicle? And that's a good question. I say certainly maybe as long as the production trucks live up to Rivian's hype, their promises, what they've they've said they're going to give us. I'm not going to go over the specs for the R1T because we've done that again and again and again. But Michelle Krebs, an executive analyst for AutoTrader, had this to say. EV pickups may be best suited for commercial fleets, such as those owned by energy companies. Fleets operating in clearly defined areas such as Metro Detroit could be ideal. Short distances and good charging infrastructure might also make EV pickups practical for construction and mining companies. This makes sense for any organization operating a fleet, especially a business that relies on pickup trucks. Amazon didn't invest a boatload of money into Rivian because they thought they had cool tech. They invested a boatload of money into Rivian because they saw the potential for their business to save a little bit of money. It's not a coincidence that they did that. Now, having said that, there are several reasons why a company wouldn't go with an electric vehicle. Part of it is costs. You know, when you buy a fleet, you're buying a ton of vehicles. You have a budget. You have to stay within that budget. It only makes sense. And then the person making those decisions, they have their own prejudices and preferences. Let's just pretend you operate an air conditioning company and you have, I don't know, a fleet of 50 vehicles and you need to replace 30 of them and your brother-in-law owns the Ford dealership. Where are you going to go? You going to go to Rivian or are you going to go to your brother-in-law? Of course, you're going to go to your brother-in-law. I'm just going to do some quick Tesla news here before we get into the real meaty stories on Tesla. Think of this as a Tesla appetizer. Tesla has started delivering software locked standard range Model 3s. That's awesome. Elon is encouraging employees to help accelerate deliveries for Q2. Tesla doesn't count a car as sold until it's delivered. For the last two years, we've been talking about production problems. Now we've moved on to the stage of delivery problems. And they really need to solve that problem because Tesla wants to get paid. Let's have a good Q2. That would be amazing. This next story is just a rumor. It sounds like Tesla is moving some things around at the Fremont factory to make room for the Model Y and the Model S refresh. Tesla has not confirmed this. At one point, Elon said the Fremont factory is packed to the gills. And then I think it was the last earnings call. He said, well, they might have some room. The thing I found most interesting about this rumor was not that they might build the Model Y at Fremont is that they're only refreshing the Model S, not the Model X. Those two cars share a lot of the same DNA and it makes sense that when you update one, you update the other one. Maybe it's a, a, a question of restrained resources, or maybe it's money, which is technically a resource, or maybe it's room that they can't do the Model X right now. They have to refresh one of them, so they chose the Model S, and then they'll do the Model X some other time. Having said all that, still, it's just a rumor. All right, this story comes from Fred Lambert and Clean Technica's Steve Hanley. Fred Lambert, obviously, of Electric. Tesla posted a teaser on a Chinese social network 
about an announcement this Friday, the 31st, not the day I'm recording this, but the day it gets released, the Tesla world went crazy with speculation. One of the things I heard was, is Tesla going to do a vehicle only for the Chinese market? Well, it turns out it's not all that exciting. Tesla's going to allow for pre-orders and they're going to give pricing details on the Chinese built Model 3s. Now, pre-order sounds weird because Tesla's already shipping Model 3s to China. Up to this point, Tesla has only shipped the higher-end Model 3s to China, not the more affordable, and they use air quotes there, versions. So that's what this whole announcement on Friday is all about. If you believe Tesla, the Gigafactory, Gigafactory 3, still has four months before it's completed. And I, I honestly, I'm telling you, that seems very optimistic. There are still so many things that can go wrong. Even with Tesla's optimism, I would be shocked if they were able to roll out more than a few Model 3s from Gigafactory 3 in 2019. Let's talk about the Steve Hanley portion of this story. And the story really comes from Bloomberg. They're reporting that the starting price for the Model 3 will be somewhere around 300,000 yuan. I looked up how to say that, and that is what YouTube, that's how YouTube told me how to say it, which is about 43,000 US dollars. The current starting price is 377,000 yuan, which is right around $54,000. I didn't write it down, but it's right in that price range. Also in the article, they made an argument that it would cost $10,000 less to build a Model 3 in China. I don't know if that's true or not. They're not really showing their work, but it sounds right. Tesla is obviously going to save on labor costs. Another bit of savings is just their experience building the Model 3. Initially in Gigafactory 1, they built the lines and, you know, they just had tons of problems. Well, they're going to be able to build way more effective lines at Gigafactory 3 because they're starting from a fresh slate. It's a big open building. It's probably going to be more efficient than any of the lines in the U.S., to be honest with you. Another cost savings is having the battery plant and the car manufacturing all under the same roof. When Tesla builds a Model 3 battery pack and powertrain, they build it in Sparks, Nevada. They load up a truck, and then that truck drives from Sparks through Donner Pass. And if you've ever been to Donner Pass in the wintertime, you know exactly what I'm talking about. But they drive through Donner Pass, and then they get to Fremont, and that's about a four-hour trip. And that's if traffic and weather is perfect. You go through Donner Pass in the wintertime, and it can take eight or more hours. I remember my wife and I, when we lived in Reno, we were going to, I believe it was San Francisco, or maybe it was San Jose. We we're going to one of those two places to kind of dry out and warm up from the winter. And it took us eight hours to get through Donner Pass because it was snowed in, and we had to you know, chain up, and everybody was driving super slow. So winter there is a nightmare. Ask the Donner Party. If you don't know who the Donner Party is, look it up. It's an interesting story. There's a reason why that pass is named Donner Pass. Our final story comes from a Patreon supporter, John B., and recent contest winner. He sent me an email, and I read it, and I was like, oh, that's kind of thought-provoking. Let me think on that. And I asked him if I could use the email on the air, and he said, yeah. And so now I'm going to read it to you. Hey, Bodhi, did you get the impression Elon M. is trying to move on from Tesla soon? Given the comments from Chanos two years ago predicting Musk would find a way to jump to SpaceX gracefully. Financial reports Q2 stock dropping, Fidelity dropping their holdings, Audi, Jaguar, BMW, even Kia Hyundai coming out soon. All these kind of uh, 
pressure on Tesla, outside pressure on Tesla. Jim Chanos, he's a short seller money guy. I had to actually look him up, but I could kind of remember his name. And he was involved in that whole kerfuffle with Business Insider and the guy who allegedly stole some stuff from Tesla. It was a whole thing. I'm not going to go into it. The big picture here is that he makes his money when Tesla loses or any company loses for that matter because he's a short seller. And I'm not saying he's wrong in some of the things that he says, but he goes on financial shows and justifies his opinion and gives reasons why he thinks he's right. And then he, you know, makes money from Tesla failing. So he has no financial interest in saying nice things about Tesla. Now that I know this stuff about this guy, I don't give him any sort of credibility. Now you might say, well, you're just a Tesla lover and you're a part of the cult. Well, no. On the flip side, if somebody went on these financial shows and they just gave Tesla huge heaping praises and they didn't point out the negatives or they glossed over the negatives, I wouldn't give them, they wouldn't have any credibility with me either. As far as Elon leaving, I had to think on this a little bit. I don't think Elon will leave on his own anytime soon. He really seems like he's, you know, personally invested in Tesla succeeding. If shareholders or the Tesla board decides that he should leave, I don't think Elon's going to go quietly. Elon's like a dog with a bone, and he'll bite anyone who tries to take that bone away. This next little bit is kind of me shooting from the hip. I'm going to say something, and I could not find the source material for it, but I'm pretty sure I remember it correctly. But if I'm wrong, let me know. So Jason Calacanis, who's he's a friend of Elon's, he bought the very first Model S, he actually has a VIN number of like 00001, something like that. I believe it was on This Week in Tech that he said that Elon would most likely leave once the Model 3 was up and running. I may be mis misremembering this fact, so don't quote me on it. And it might be complete BS because, like I said, I could not find the video to prove that this was actually the case. Based on that little story that I told you that cannot be verified... What is the benchmark that Tesla has to hit before Elon feels like he can leave the company or take a less involved role? I'm not really sure that there is one, not now anyway. I think Elon's a very driven person. He's not immortal, but he's a very driven person. And with Tesla, at least for the you know near future, there's always going to be a fire that needs to be put out. It's just a big company that grew very fast, and there's a lot of things kinks that need to be worked out before it's running efficiently. Elon's still a really young guy. I think he's like 49 years old. He still has a lot of work left in him. If I had to guess, the only way that he would actually leave Tesla or take a smaller role is if he had a uh, like a health-related issue or maybe he slowed down for like a family reason. He seems to be very involved with his kids and his, his family as much as you can be if you're working all the time. For the next couple of years anyway, maybe even up to 10 years, that's the only way I think Elon will actually take a less involved role in Tesla. I don't think he'll leave completely. I just think he'll scale it back a little bit. But if none of those things happen, I think he's just going to keep charging hard, to be honest with you. And we talked about that story at the top of the show where he paid many of his own expenses out of pocket. And I'm sure he writes that off on his taxes. I don't know what the new tax laws. I don't really understand them. I didn't really understand the old ones either. Anyway, I think John asks a good question. So if you're in Elon's shoes, I'm asking this of you, the listener. If you're in Elon's shoes, when would you say it's time to leave? Email me, Bodie, at 918digital.com and let me know. Now, 
There's another part of this email, and I'm going to start reading again. You're mentioning Tesla's strong cost-cutting measures and price fluctuations for S and X. His trying to sell to Google. Maybe Tesla is anticipating a drop in demand for Model S and X. I would be, since e-tron looks so cool inside, similar pricing, and has VW slash Audi behind it. As a consumer, I'd like a Model X, but I would be foolish not to at least test drive an e-tron or a Jag. I, I completely agree. There's a lot of great cars coming out. The Hyundai, the Kia, Chevy's got great cars, VW, Audi, Jaguar, of course. Those are the ones. some of the ones you mentioned. And some other companies that I'm forgetting, um, they have great car offerings. If you have an affinity for those brands, you should certainly give them a strong look. For a long time, I drove only Volkswagens. And it wasn't until we got our van, my wife didn't make me give up my Volkswagen, but it made more sense to trade in my Volkswagen than the car that we had bought like four years prior. One of the things I think Tesla brings to the table that those other manufacturers are still trying to figure out is the technology. By that, I mean, when you compare their specs, you can say, okay, well, each of the cars has this range, or... They go zero to 60 in X amount of seconds or whatever. Any of those kind of ancillary, yeah, they're important stats. They charge this fast. That's all important, but how you feel in the car is even more important. When I look at the pictures of an e-tron, especially the exterior, I'm like, oh, that is a nice looking car. And then when I look at the interior, the interior is nice and the interior is updated but it doesn't make me feel like I'm in the future. It makes me feel like I'm in the past. And the same thing with the Jaguar I-Pace. The Porsche Taycan, that one actually looks a little futuristic in the, in the cab as far as the instrument clusters go. But for me, my preference is I want to live in the future and I want a car that looks like it came from the future. Now, having said that, there is something to be said for having actual you know, dials that you can turn just in case your screen dies. When a Tesla screen dies, you're pretty much out of luck. On my Chrysler Pacifica, if the screen dies, I can still operate the little knobs underneath the screen and get air conditioning or possibly even radio. So, you know, there is something to be said about that. Another thing about Tesla is if they have something ready, they put it in the cars like right now. They don't wait for the big refresh or the annual refresh. They just put it in the car right now, which might be why they're struggling with profitability because they're constantly retooling. And maybe that's not the best solution for the company. However, this is the way they run their business. And so that's kind of the way it is. But like the new motors and the suspension system for the Model S and Model X, we know that there's a refresh coming at some point. We don't know exactly when, somewhere between you know September and November, there's a refresh coming but they put it in anyway. Maybe that was to get Model S buyers to pop on a Model S and X buyers to pop on a car now instead of waiting till, you know, next quarter. Or maybe it was just like, hey, this is done. Put it in the car. Seems like mostly what they do. Having said all of that, I will end with this. People are going to buy the car that they like or the best car that they can afford. If someone is a diehard Ferrari fan, but they can only afford a Kia, they're going to buy the best Kia they can afford. On the flip side, there's somebody out there where money isn't as much of an issue, and they're going to buy the car that tickles their fancy. They're going to buy the car that fits them the best. And whether that be an Audi or a Jaguar or a, a Tesla, 
it doesn't matter. They're going to buy the car that they want to buy, the one that kind of reflects who they are is really what it comes down to. I am a father in his mid-40s with two children. I own a minivan and a soccer mom SUV. Sorry, soccer moms. I don't mean to be offensive, but I am one of you. So that's kind of the way it is. I would really like to have a Model 3, but a Model Y would make more sense for my family. If I bought a Model 3, I wouldn't be able to buy the you know standard range model, the base model, because that doesn't work for my family. And if I'm going to spend a bunch of money, it had better work for my family. Otherwise, we just wasted money on a car we're unhappy with, and we're stuck with it because we keep our vehicle for, you know, 10-ish years. So that's kind of, you know, a bummer, really. All right, that's the whole show. I told you it was going to be longer. Next week will be shorter, promise. If you want to email me, go to Bodie, B-O-D-I-E, at 918digital. That's 918digital.com. And you can follow me on Twitter at 918digital. And if you listened all the way to the end, thanks so much for listening. I do appreciate it. I appreciate everybody who listens to this show. I hope you have a great week, and I will talk to you next Friday.